Hey, we're back for another season of the High School Football Podcast. I'm Chad Conine, along with Trip Sports Editor Bryce Cherry. How's it going, Bryce? Going well. Uh, you know, excited to have the games back. Although some are getting, yeah, we got kind of a, a some are getting that bummer of a news item earlier today. Just about an hour before we started this podcast, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, our big game of the week, really, uh, La Vega and Conley. Yeah, in fact, I had that second on the script, but let's go ahead and just address it now. In fact, I I went over, I got a lot of my work done, and I went over to Top Golf, as I'm prone to do, you know, in the afternoon for a little while. And on the way, I called Terry Garrick just to check in at Conley, uh, make sure I was on the list there, talk to him a little bit about the matchup with La Vega, and I got kind of a bad hit because the phone rang twice and then went to voicemail like it had been sent over there, right? And this is like at 2 o'clock on a day when they could have practice anytime during the day, so you'd assume they would have gone this morning. And I thought, hmm, hope that's not I – just, I just had a bad feeling about it. Sure enough, I go play top golf for an hour, and then uh, you send me a text that the La Vega – Connolly game is off and so uh that's how that's how that one fell they had uh you know testing in the community which if I'm a football coach and they start testing everybody in the community I'm just like oh great here we go you know <laughs> and sure enough that's what happened they had like a 25 percent positivity rate now I don't really understand why they couldn't have played with no fans but they just made the call and I feel like it was probably uh you know, let's just do what's best and not, you know, ruffle any feathers type of decision. What, what do you, what's your take? Well, uh, Conley has been one of the hardest hit schools, uh, obviously, to start the year by COVID uh, with classes not happening right now at both Conley and Axel right now are, are two schools that, you know, are not. No, Axel has class today and tomorrow. Okay. Well, they moved their game up with Bremont to tomorrow, I guess, right. to, to get that in. But Yeah, they have no classes or extracurricular activities on Friday and Saturday is what it boils down to. Okay. Or Monday. Well, they can't practice on Monday. Back to Conley. I mean, like I said, they've been hit really hard by this. They've had two different teachers pass away due to COVID. So I can understand erring on the side of caution. Uh, we don't know, you and I, what the what the number of cases might be within the Conley football program. Uh, oh, wait, we do know that, actually. Okay. None on varsity. None on varsity. Well, like you said, then why couldn't you play with no fans? I, I mean, that's a great question. Uh, but, you know, again, erring on the side of caution is not always the worst thing. So... Um, I mean, like Terry Garrick said, might as well, if it's going to happen, it might as well happen now before district games come along. Right. Um, it stands uh, from the perspective of this was a game that obviously we would have been sitting here talking about as, as a very attractive matchup. That was a game that you were planning on going to cover. Um, so, you know, it would have been fun to see how that one played out. Um, and, and obviously, you know, as you're trying to progress as a football team, those are the kind of games you want to play because it, uh, exposes you. It shows you where you need to get better, whether you're La Vega or Conley. Right, right. And, you know, this is two years in a row when I was supposed to cover Conley versus La Vega, 
And uh, last year, I did cover it. But I got over there and that squall came through of a storm and had lightning and thunder and all sorts of rain. I retreated to my house and that happened to be like the TV game of the week. So I covered it off TV, you know, turn around a year later and the game gets canceled. So maybe they'll re-up the, uh, the series and I can try again in, in 2022. Well, um, certainly it's a, a series that we want to see continued because right. whatever the sport it's always a great rivalry. It's one of the best basketball rivalries around here as well. But, but it's a game absolutely we want to see continued. Right. Um, a little bit on the lighter side, uh, the big story in high school football nationally this week has been Bishop Sycamore. Everybody and his dog has been making jokes about these guys on Twitter. Uh, Bryce, I was telling you a minute ago, um, you know, the, the, the story is that this Bishop Sycamore just kind of, constructed a football team in order to get like a TV payday. And then they got obliterated by IMG and people start looking around and going, wait a minute, that's not really even a school. So, yeah, yeah actually the uh, first person who relayed the news to me this week was my son Cooper, who obviously was following it on some social media or whatever, but uh, yes, it has spawned all manner of jokes. Uh, there's a good, sports writer in East Texas, uh, Jack Stallard, who uh, did one of these in personal news. Uh, I have uh, decided that I am taking the sports information director position at Bishop Sycamore, <laughs> which is, that's a great joke. That's pretty uh, good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of them this week. Uh, when La Vega announced that they were playing Bishop Dunn. I was I was glad it wasn't Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we didn't mention that a second ago. La Vega yeah. has rescheduled to Bishop Dunn. But um, okay, so I've kind of got it, kind of got a joke, kind of a corny joke about it. But it, but I have a, like a real observation about how this whole thing went down, and I think probably Bishop Sycamore kept their whole thing under wraps until they went on TV, which is maybe the like most clever thing they did because they would have got called out pretty quick. I mean, if some, if there was all, all of a sudden, you know, a, a, a Bishop Red Oak in, in Waco, you know, then we would have been like, uh, excuse me, what? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but when you think of Bishop Sycamore, that name, what kind of school is that to you? Like if it were a real school, it sounds like a private school, right? Like a Catholic school, right? Yeah, sure. Like Bishop Riker here in Waco. Correct. Know? Yeah. Well, if you float your name out there as Bishop Sycamore, you know, somebody in that parish is going to be like, uh, there's no Bishop Sycamore school. There's never been a Bishop Sycamore for one thing. <laughs> and there's not a, a Bishop Sycamore within our diocese. You know, that school does not exist. That's Maybe they did their homework. That? Maybe there is a Bishop Sycamore. I, I actually Googled it. Like that's the only thing you find. And okay. then like, there's some other things, you know, um, there, maybe there's some sort of play called the Sycamore, probably involving, involving Zacchaeus, you know, uh, that's been performed at Catholic churches, but you know, but, uh, anyway, um, so my, my corny joke is that, uh, Duncanville, which is supposed to play Bishop Sycamore on, uh, on December 10th, they dropped him like a bad habit. Oh gosh, habit. Uh, yes, yeah. like a nun wear, like, like a, a nun's nun wears. Yeah, I got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, 
That's really bad. <laughs> officially off the rails for the first time in 2021. But uh, that's know, what the that's what the high school football Friday night light super syndex podcast is for, though. Really, is to go <laughs> off the rails. Yes. Uh, you know, a couple thoughts that I have. One, um, I sort of finger wag a little bit to ESPN for not doing its due diligence and maybe researching this program a little bit more uh, before it decided to put them on the air. And then two, what does it really matter in terms of Bishop Sycamore versus IMG? Because all IMG really is, is a, is a football factory. I mean, that's all it exists for. I mean, they, you know, they can, uh, say there's an academic component to it all they want. But, I mean, essentially you had two football programs going at it uh, rather than two uh, academic institutions. Yeah, and I think to me it's a good sign for the world that we live in today that something that's constructed and goes around the usual way of doing things fell flat because with name image likeness and conference realignment and all this stuff upon us that is just going away from traditional basically mode of operation just doing things a different way because we think it's going to be better or we don't have to have to have all the old rules and old ways well in a lot of in a lot of cases those traditions and things like oh having an actual school where people actually go to classes with non-football players and all of those things sometimes that makes sense and sometimes that makes you know uh a Lorena China Spring football game a whole lot more appealing than some manufactured football factory for ESPN event yeah right? and I think one of the things that you and I both appreciate about high school football is just the purity uh, of it, um, it's in a world where um, pro football, college football has been invaded by a lot of, um, you know, money interests and, and things get sullied in the, in the um, name of, you know, the almighty dollar, including, you know, now a 17-game NFL season, including – uh, Texas and Oklahoma jumping ship to the SEC. It's all it's all money driven. You know, it seems like more so on the high school level, it's not as much. Uh, that's not to say money never plays a factor in high school football as well, but uh, but that's one of the things we certainly appreciate about it. Um, also, I'll say you know this will probably end up on some lists of you know one of the stranger sports stories of the year and yet it didn't really feel that out of left field for me i mean you know it was is it's funny it's weird but it didn't shock me in the sense like it, it, as far as like the the strangest sports story of my lifetime uh has to go down as manti teo and his well cat- and you saw some cross-referencing of those two stories yeah, as his you know catfish girlfriend to me that really introduced me to the idea of catfishing. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that was just such a strange deal, but uh, you know, this um, didn't reach that level for me. No, uh, 
but you know it, what it does speak to is you when you get outside and i don't want to you know taps I'll, I'll throw taps in there because they're a pretty solid organization but in a lot of ways when you get outside the uil you never know what you're going to get yeah it's a little more um of the wild west when it comes to uh some of these um non-public schools i mean you know it's uh like you said i think it's better governed in texas but um but you know like i said img very much exists as this athletic you know factory and so you know that they played another athletic factory who cares (laughs) right 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 well we could uh this could be one of those hour and a half podcasts you know like uh like well, I've been listening to the office ladies recently and and their time structure is a little bit different than ours. I mean, well, they're breaking down whole episodes of the office. So. And just, let's get uh, back just a reminder, I have the free version of Zoom that cuts off after 40 minutes. <laughs> oh, well, then there's our time parameter. What are we at now? About Well, we're only about 27, so we can afford to chase a few more <laughs> rabbits. Uh, so I bumped from uh, La Vega Connolly to Lorena China Springs. Sorry, Brian Coates. Um, but I, I, I really wanted to see that one anyway. I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have picked it over Conley La Vega, but I sure would have hate to not been able to cover that game. Um, and it's, it's a really interesting, you know, it's the clear game of the week. Uh, to me, it's really interesting for a couple of reasons to me. What, what appeals to you about the Lorena China spring matchup? Uh, maybe just a litmus test for Lorena, you know, obviously, uh, hard-fought, tough game against Franklin last week, uh, and and now you uh, you line it up against one of the the best teams in Class 4A in the state in China Spring. Obviously, we saw what the Cougars did last year in the playoffs, and in, in just the run that they went on and beating top ten team after top ten team for for three weeks to open the playoffs. I mean, they had one of the toughest and most impressive runs, I think of anyone in the state. <clears throat> um, so I, I like China spring to win this game, playing at home. Uh, you know, they, they were impressive last week against Trinity Christian, but like I said, the, the thing that, you know, it does uh, speak to just Lorena's willingness to play anyone that they're even lining up against China spring and that, and they've played each other a lot over the years, but uh so, I mean, I, I just think it's a, it's a place where Ray Biles can tell his team, look, this is where we've got to get better. And that's not to say Lorena couldn't, you know, jump up there and, and spring the upset, but I definitely like China spring in this matchup. Yeah. That, that kind of leads right into what I was going to say is it, it kind of feels like to me, an old school, early nineties, uh, Texas A&M, Texas tech matchup. And that, AM was the superpower at the time, but that didn't mean Texas Tech couldn't beat them. And every now and then they would sneak up there and and give them a heck of a game. And I think I think uh, actually when I was in school and this was that was more late 90s, Tech beat them three out of four years. Uh, but um, but, you know, you go out and you play a good game and you get momentum going on your side and and you can beat a team like that. That's maybe a little bit better than you. Um, 
But and I, I think Lorena feels like it should have beat Franklin last week. Now, what's the gap between Franklin and China Spring, you know? Right. I, I do think that uh, China, you know, the fact that they have scheduled Lorena says to me that Brian Bell looks at this Lorena team and goes, this is a team that can help us get better. You know, yeah. I, I mean, uh, Lorena returned the offensive newcomer of the year, the defensive newcomer of the year on our Super Syntex team. They've got a lot of talent on this Lorena team. And so mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a good, you know, matchup for China Spring as well to say, hey, you know, it's not just a, a good old-fashioned, you know, former district rival. It's also a game that can help us get better. Yeah, and it might be the best challenge on China Springs' non-district schedule. I think they've also got Brownwood and Mejia on there. Yeah, that's a good point. I think out of those games, including the Trinity Christian game in that mix, I'd put Lorena right up there at at the top of that list. Uh, Speaking of challenges. um, (laughs) I know where you're going. Right, and I I haven't checked up on the mighty Permian Panthers yet for this season, Uh, but probably the most – Famous high school football program in our state comes to town as Odessa Permian plays at Midway on Friday night. Um, on our picks box, uh, I, I, I picked Permian to win, spoiler alert, and I just put OPP. <laughs> uh, when I was uh, like early, that early one high it, school. Will that one make it past the censors? Or eighth grade. I don't know, but uh, probably because uh, – well, you're on desk. Wait, no, John's on desk tomorrow night, so he'd have to catch it. He's Here's already the thing. I think I think Odessa Permian won the state title in like 1991 when I was in eighth grade. And you know what was uh, the big song at the junior high dance at that time? What's uh, OPP? OPP by Naughty by Nature. And so, you know, the Odessa Permian Panthers and Friday Night Lights had been out, you know, for a little while at that point, the book. And, and it's amazing to think that um, a nonfiction book generated that much like five for, you know, for the Permian program. But uh, speaking of, you know, tell me your recollections of reading Friday Night Lights. Oh, man. Uh, just one of the best sports books ever, in my opinion. I thought it perfectly captured um, what we understand and know about Texas high school football in, in rich and vivid detail. thought Buzz Bissinger did a great job. It was, it was one of those uh, cases, you know, the, the first book that I can remember reading like that, that was a case of a reporter embedding himself within a team or a community was a season on the brink uh, where John Feinstein went behind the scenes with the Indiana Hoosiers and, and, you know, amazingly Bob Knight led him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And really, I, I just remember reading a season on the brink and going, Oh my gosh, you know, I, this is just so cool to see all this behind the scenes stuff. Um, you got the same idea in Friday Night Lights. And um, I just remember a lot of uh, 
scenes in it where, um, you know, one of the classic ones was the, was the tie atop the district and, and, you know, these three coaches meeting at this remote, you know, West Texas undisclosed location uh, where, where they, uh, you know, did this coin flip to see which of the two of the three were, were going to get to advance to go to the playoffs. Uh, just crazy stuff like that and all of it true and, um, you know, stuff that we've, you know, encountered over the years in terms of high school football. It's a little different now. Uh, with more teams making the playoffs and uh, some of the tiebreaker rules that they've put into place so that, that it does not come down to the, the flip of a coin. But, um, you know, it's it, it was just very, very well done. I thought the movie, the subsequent movie, uh, did a great job, honestly, of capturing a lot of the uh, elements of the book. I know you have some critiques of the movie, but um, the movie's good. I can live with the movie. It, one of the, the great things about the movie, I thought, is that it did not Hollywoodize it too much and change the ending to more of like a Hoosiers type ending. They lost. Right. Um, you know, Permian lost that year uh, that, that Bissinger wrote the book. Um, and you mentioned, I think you're right in terms of Permian probably being. Uh, the most famous Texas high school football program in the country. And the irony of that is we've got a lot more successful programs than Permian. Uh, now back in the seventies and eighties, I think was more of their heyday. Um, that was, that was sort of the, you know, the golden age of Permian football, but, mm-hmm. but still the mojo, you know, they carry a lot of, of mojo, you know, in the state. And it, it'll be cool for Midway to play uh, Permian this week. Uh, you mentioned, um, you know, I, you weren't sure where they were as a program. I know they went eight and three uh, last year. So they're still, you know, they're still putting out a solid product, maybe not at the level of back in the day when, when Booby Miles was there and, <laughs> you know. or how about uh lloyd hill or uh or or um the quarterback ended up going michael roy williams yeah roy williams yeah what's funny is roy williams was on that team uh that bissinger wrote about and he's really a, a bit player in the book he chose some other no no, no. lloyd hill was lloyd on the hill. team lloyd hill. yeah i knew the i knew a great receiver was on yeah. that team and and really wasn't a major character in the book. Uh, there were some other guys that he focused on, including the quarterback, including the the star D lineman who uh, right was you know kind of a, they, they each had their own little story. Um, uh, Willoughby, I think, was maybe the safety that uh, that um, Tim McGraw plays his dad in the movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was that yeah. whole dynamic, uh, that the quarterback, I want to say Mike, um, Winchell, something like that. Mm-hmm. He ended up, uh, signing or coming to Baylor. Didn't really play. Um, but one of the big things there was just that whole idea of, um, you know, was he, was he, really into it you know that was kind of the storyline with him was like 
he was the star quarterback, but it was like, you know, he had all these things kind of pulling at him and, and, you know, uh, was he really going to embrace it? You know, you, you got a little of that in dazed and confused, honestly, with the uh, Randall Pink. Right. It was kind of like the same as the ambivalence of ivory was one of the chapters, you know, the quarterback was in that same situation. Yeah. And I think, um, a lot of that stuff was painted a certain way by Mr. Bissinger. So, by the way, a uh, little creative per- license. Yeah, mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Permian beat somebody called El Paso Pebble Hills 26 to 15 last week. So this might not be insurmountable for the Midway Panthers. Yeah, you know, Midway, obviously you saw him last week. Got a long, long way to go uh, defensively, you know, giving up 69 points and zero. One points. thing that I didn't mention in my article that hasn't really been um, – mentioned is that Knox Walker, uh, one of their starting safeties, is out with a shoulder injury, I believe, until uh, maybe the maybe district play. Mm. Um, I, I'm not sure it's a shoulder. He's out with an injury until district play. Yeah. Maybe uh, the second or third week of district play. And that's a big loss for that secondary. Um, mm-hmm. But even with him, I mean, you know, like I said, they've got a long way to go defensively, and, and hopefully, you know, they always say game one to game two, you make a lot of improvements. You know, hopefully you see that for, for Midway because they've, they've well, got I, uh, a long way to go. I saw some Midway kids at church on Sunday, a few, a couple of which were football players, and I was like, it's a bummer for the seniors, but the reality is is that Shane Anderson's program from January to next August 27th or whenever it is will be the, will be the big step that it takes just from the product you saw in the field the other night. It was, and he said, we've been, we've been a football team for two months. And so they need that, that uh, foundation building in the off season. All right. We're 30 minutes in now. I don't know if when our producer is going to uh, love that we went this long or hate that we went this long. Well, I, I, and I'll, I'll just throw in a couple of names there. Uh, I, I do feel like Midway offensively uh, showed some things. You got to see him. I, I yeah, watched, Junior Thornton looks really good. Yeah, Junior Thornton's a playmaker. Um, Don I watched, I watched some huddle video on them, uh, and I thought, you know, Reed Tedford looked, you know, looked good at quarterback, made some plays. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dom Hill, who um, – I used to see play uh, on the on the JV before you. He, yeah, he's Cooper's age, right? Yeah, uh, Cooper is in that class of with Tedford and Hill and those guys. So, um, mm-hmm. so I've seen a lot of these guys over the years, and um, they're you know, I think they can do some things offensively. Um, you know, and Tommy Allison is a is a very creative offensive guy, and so I think he's going to put them in some spots to to do big things. Yep. Absolutely. Well, they, you know, they, yeah. They <laughs> what were you going to say? They ran a bubble screen, you know, and, and when it's one of those complicated bubble screens where you, the guy catches the ball in traffic and he tries to run out of it, you know, and that can be a really sneaky play if it's run right, but it looks really bad if it doesn't. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, I kind of got caught there not knowing whether to add another point on or close her up. So, all right. Well, let's, let's close her up and yep. uh, we'll talk some more football next week. How about that? Yeah, sounds good. All right. All right. <laughs>